Hello and welcome to episode three of the Limerick Spinners. Uh, I'm Leo McGuinn and I'm joined, as always, by Luke Walsenholm. Luke, how are you? Hello, Leo McGuinn. I am doing very well, thank you. Very well, very excited to be doing episode three with you today. It's very exciting, it's very exciting. Before we get into it, I have a couple of things to ask you. First of all, why are we, why are we called the Limerick Spinners, mate? Why are we called the Limerick Spinners? Well, you know, the Limerick part comes from uh, when my father did a world tour uh, when he was younger. Um, he went all over the place. He went to Rio de Janeiro. He went to the, the Himalayas. He, you know, did that around the world. And funnily enough, he said Limerick was the, the best place that he'd been to. He said it was the most... Probably the only person who's ever said that, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, but... he said it was a really enjoyable place he said there was lots going on so he just said it was the best place he's ever been to and it really stuck with me I was like how could Limerick be more interesting than Rio de Janeiro but but hey um so I've always wanted to go there I know you've always wanted to go there as well yeah, um, yeah and so that's the Limerick part in terms of the spinners uh you know I used to be a tricky little spinner when I used to play the beautiful game that we call cricket was it leggies or yeah i could bowl both actually i bowl both wow. um i'm also ambidextrous as well um so i could actually just you know bowl some yeah. left arm chinaman um and so that's where it came from obviously i'm i am sort of mr spin yeah. so it was that sort of combination of hey you know what a rogue place limerick is and and i and i just love the spin so that's why we thought the limerick spinners, limerick spinners. yeah you yeah know? and it, it works doesn't it just when it works it works also second question for you um, someone asked us recently, why do we always, why do we always leave with cricket? It seems like our friendship is very based around cricket. What's we just, we just both love cricket, don't we? Yeah, it was weird. I think that's actually how we bonded was, was actually over our love of cricket. Um, and I feel like people who have this sort of deep love for the sport are few and far between. I don't know about you, but not enough people love cricket. A lot of fair weather, lot of fair weather cricket fans, but real that's cricket it, yeah. needs. That's it. And we are cricket neeks, believe me. Um, And I think that also sort of combines with the fact that at the moment there is a a big cricket game going on. There's quite a few. There's a lot, there's a lot of cricket going on. Um, You know, when this pod comes out and there isn't as much cricket on, maybe we we focus on some other things, but me and Leo had this, this deep bond, this relationship was forged by our love of um, cricket stats. And that's pretty cool. That's it's pretty cool. I'm glad I just said that on a cool. podcast. <laughs> I'm glad that's public knowledge. Hey, we're a couple of cool, cool guys. We're a couple of cool guys. Um, yes, so you do mention there's a lot of cricket going on at the moment. Before we get into it, I do want to just say as well, normally we have two episodes a week, Tuesday, Thursday. This week, it's just one on the Wednesday. Split the difference. Um, but we will be back to normal Tuesday, Thursday after this. Um, England, India, it's still happening. The second test is over. Um England lost by 317 runs. Were India very good? Were England very bad? Mix of both. What did you what did you make of it? Yeah, I think that there was some well, I think there were some issues with, with, with the fact that the debate was all over the pitch, wasn't yeah. it? There was there was this non-debate that was happening where it was like, oh, India produces really difficult Indian wicket in India, you know, it's just a non-debate. But who is that who is that? It was, that, that was just an impersonation of just sort of your classic Twitter casual. Oh, good. Um, okay. Did you like it? I thought it was quite good. No, it was very good. Yeah. That's how I imagine they sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, look, 
we we just didn't turn up. Let's be honest. We got rolled in the first innings for one three four. Rohit Sharma got one hundred and sixty one for goodness' sake. Um, and then the second innings, we have India in a, in, a, in a sort of a position where you know they could have they could have been bowled out for less than two hundred. Still would have lost the game, obviously, but at least it would have made it a bit more interesting. But when you see you know a pitch is only bad until the good players come out to play, and Virat Kohli made it look like you know just a classic. Uh, turning wicket he played beautifully thought he was on for a ton again before obviously got got uh, lbw to moeen um but then the one you know the guy who just showed that that you can get runs on that pitch even if you're not an opening bat is ashwin ashwin comes in tonks 100 131 balls i think it was um played quite beautifully as well it wasn't you know, there's a couple of chances and then there was a snick uh, behind off broad that was dropped by folks. And I think a missed stumping off Moeen where it, where it kept a little bit low. But, you know, apart from that, it was a fairly chanceless innings and a, and a really well played one. So I think until he came in and hit 100, I would have said it was, it was you know, probably down to the pitch a little bit more until that happened, I think. I, I would say, so there's a lot of chat about the pitch. It wasn't a good pitch, but that's not... But England produce crap pitches all the time. It's not, you know, it, it was a, a, a bad pitch. You know, I, I don't love to see a pitch spinning square on day one, but also it's India and they've got better spinners in England. Why wouldn't exactly. they produce spinning Exactly, yeah. What I would say about Ashwin, thought he batted really well initially, and he did bat well, obviously, the whole innings, but I thought after a certain point, England do what they, they do quite a lot, since they're more than other countries. When a, when a tail-ender or an all-rounder comes in, a number eight or below, and they just kind of lose their heads a bit, and they just think, oh, Christ, you know, it's happening again. The game had probably gone by the time he gets to 40 or 50, and then I thought England bowled really badly at him after that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, he did bat beautifully. And a man who hadn't scored a test 50 since 2017, obviously, he's a good batsman. He'd scored five centuries, four centuries before this. This was his fifth. Um, but yeah, yeah, he showed England how to bat on this pitch. Uh, I think the difference was the first innings, wasn't it? Um, England getting rolled in the second innings. Ah, look, it was always going to happen. Um, I thought India got too many in the first innings. Should have been, I think, 240 was par. Uh, and then England didn't get enough, essentially. Um, very simplistic, but um, I think that's what it came down to. Uh, you know, and um, yeah, people haven't been that reactionary, which is good. I think England fans are a lot of the time very re reactionary of, you know, England are either the best side in the world or the worst side in the world. Um, but yeah, set the series up nicely, hasn't it? Um, next test in Ahmedabad. Uh, it's a pink ball, day-nighter. Ball going to move a bit. Jimmy Anderson coming back in. Series is set up pretty nice, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it is. And I think that will probably suit us, um, that pink ball. If, if Jimmy's been rested, um, I'm really looking forward to that, actually. It sets it up well. Two sort of big wins. My only concern, I think, with this loss, it was, it was England's biggest loss in India. Um, and I just don't want it to, to derail us. Um, as a side, we've been doing so well. We've, you know, especially uh, Sri Lanka in the first test in India. But big defeats can can really um, destroy confidence. And I am just a little bit worried that 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 there has just been that momentum shift. You know, my my take on that is I don't think it's as big. So technically, by numbers, it's a it's a huge loss or whatever. But because England weren't in the field for a huge amount of overs or 
you know, it always feels like those those losses by an innings when we scored 400 in 2016-17 were way worse than this, in my opinion. Um, look, it's, it got rolled on a spinning pitch. That was it. So, I, I, I yeah, I, I think in that regard, I think... And I think this team have the, the foresight and the um, kind of maturity to just be like, OK, look, we've had a bad test. We still won the first test in India, which no one expected us to do. We're, com- we're coming into a pitch which supposedly is going to be a lot lot more in it for the seamers. Um, it's going to be a day and night- nighter. We've got the best swing bowler in the world, the best swing bowler ever coming back after we've rested them specifically for this test. So look, England are in a very good place. I mean, if you've given us one all before the series started after two tests, anyone would have snapped their hand off for it. Um, I'm going to ask you, so moving forward in terms of team selection for the next test, obviously Moeen Ali's gone home, which we will touch on in a bit. Um, they've got decisions to make. So, I mean, assuming, assuming Jimmy Anderson comes back in, but the batting, Dan Lawrence at three, Johnny Bairstow's available now. So is Zach Crawley. Rory Burns um, looked like he was going to nail his test spot in South Africa, freak injury. Since then, he he's scored barely any runs. Um, what do you do if you're a selector? Yeah, there's a lot of uh, selection headache, I think, going into the next test. Um, I'm a huge Rory Burns fan. I am. I think he's a. I think he's been excellent since he's come in. He's had those little dips, yeah. Um, and obviously, not going to South Africa was a big deal, but two test turns um, and look very solid. But his problem is, you know, opening to spin. And his technique has been found wanting a little bit, especially to Ashwin. Uh, so, look, I, I don't see how Burns keeps his place for the third test, if I'm honest with you. Um, I'd personally go, you know, if Crawley's back, I'd go Crawley, Sibley, and Bairstow at three. I think that seems logical to me. Or you get, you stick with Burns and say, hey, no, you've been our guy for a while. You're going to continue to be our guy. You play Crawley at three, perhaps. Um, so there, there's that little selection headache. I feel a bit sorry for Dan Lawrence. I thought he looked pretty good in the second innings. I thought he sort of came into his own a little bit, played some excellent shots. There was that one shot, um, I think he was on four, yeah. uh, and he sort of came down and sort of flicked it. He was, over, he was just wrist it. didn't he? Exactly, he, yeah. He took, he took it on in the second innings, which is something he hasn't done. I mean, in the first innings, he looked like a sitting duck. Mm. It was just when he when he got out second innings, he thought, all right, fuck this, I'm, I'm going to take on the bowling, um, yeah. which, was, which was good to see, actually. And... Yeah, I think it's unfortunate because they've had to give him two. T- it, you know, they, he probably wouldn't have played. Um, yeah, he wouldn't. You know, have. There's no way. There's no yeah, way. it was going to be Crawley at three. So it's kind of he's just been a placeholder until then, and and because he hasn't scored any runs, I mean, it will probably will be Johnny Bairstow or Crawley. Um, but yeah, look, I, th- I think we'll see Dan Lawrence again um, in the not too distant future. I think he's a very but, good player. But I mean, on that, where where does he actually? get in because you're you know England's middle order mm-hmm. is incredibly strong I mean Ben Folkes is is making such a strong case to to start for England I mean his keeping was miraculous zero buyers in the first innings on a turning wicket he's, he's almost making it <laughs> impossible not to pick him so then you go down that route of you know Jos Butler's not playing and then does Jos Butler come in as a um, as a specialist batsman, and if that is the case, your middle order is you know, it's Joe Root, it's Ben Stokes, it's Jos Butler, it's Ollie Pope. Where does Dan Lawrence fit into that? I can't see him displacing any of those players, if I'm honest. Yeah, and, and with that, I would like to say there's no way England will drop Jos Butler. Um, he he's their man at the moment, and um, yeah, he hasn't done anything to get to be dropped. I know folks is incorrect, was, was brilliant with the with the gloves and um, 
and you know, and and he was good with the bat as well. I mean, I personally think they should bat Butler at six as a, as a batsman. I I don't think they'll do that. I I really don't. I think I I just don't see folks keeping the play keeping his place in the side, which I think is just like what more can he do? What more can he do? No. Because it's not like he's, you know, like in the days of old when you had the specialist wicket keeper who just like mm-hmm. couldn't really bat average low twenties. But Ben Folks is a good player. He got forty two in the first innings. Got a ton in Sri Lanka um, a couple of years ago. Uh, he's 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 a very very good player. I know it's he's especially good against spin, but I just think it's so harsh. But then also um, Butler averages 50 in the last year and his keeping has been flawless and his catch percentage is actually higher than folks. But, you know, look, I, I didn't want to bring that up. But so, I mean, if you drop Butler, that's also going to be harsh. It is. It is. I just think there's, there is, there are some real sele- uh, selection dilemmas, which is a good thing. It's a sign that you have uh, a talent pool. You know, you don't want a dead set 11 for every game, but it will be interesting um, in the next one. Obviously, I think this is probably a good time to talk about, you know, Moeen Ali, yeah, um, I was gonna, I was gonna go off. on. To that. Um, I mean, yeah. So, so what happened basically is after the test, well, before the test series, Moeen Ali had said, "Look, the plan is for me to go home after the second test." Um, I'm not sure if that's changed because I contracted COVID in Sri Lanka. That was kind of where it was left. After the test, Joe Root was asked, and he said, "Moeen Ali has chosen to go home." That's where the issue arose, isn't it? I mean, it's it's the language around Moeen Ali going home. Um, and also it turned out that England had asked him to stay on, which I think is incredibly unfair on Moeen. He's been away for three months. He's been quarantined. He's got COVID. He's got a young family. He's 33 years old. If he if he didn't go home now, he wouldn't see him for five months. So, yeah. Um, I mean, what did you make of the whole thing, mate? Yeah, look, I, I think that last point is just so important that you just said there, Leo. Like... We, we, we sometimes forget the human side of sport. You know, we just, we see them as like uh, these, these sort of, all, all they do is sport. They've just been built to play sport. We forget they have families. We forget they have lives away from the game. Um, and I think, uh, you know, especially now with the bubble, you know, it, it's so taxing on the mental side. I mean, obviously everyone's been finding lockdown pretty hard, but you know, you go into a foreign country, you're stuck in a hotel, uh, you're playing high level sport, you know, huge pressure to perform uh, and you're not being able to go through the processes that you'd usually be able to, but chuck in the fact that you have a young family. I mean, that is a really difficult thing to do. Um, and, you know, for Moeen to be away from five, for five months, it's just bad parenting more than anything. Yeah. You've got to be there for your kid when they're young. And I think that side of the debate is just, it's, it's not engaged enough um one thing that i personally am disappointed with is i know we've got a t20 world cup this year but it does feel like we're prioritizing white ball over uh, over test cricket a bit um because you know feasibly you could have said look you've played brilliantly in this game yeah look the way they handled it was poor but like they could have said look played really well we want you to stay for this and then you can go home um and that is also, uh, you know, an option, but Moeen's coming back, his flight back's on February the 26th. He's going to get a week and a bit at home, essentially, come back out. Um, the whole situation made me feel pretty upset, to be honest with you. Moeen, it's not the first time he's been treated like this. Um, he's always been the scapegoat for 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 sort of things going wrong with England. Um, but just, you know, I was, I was sort of doing a bit of reading into, into Moeen because he used to be one of my favourite players. I'm sure he was with you as well in his heyday. Um, 
But yeah, all the cricketers ever with more international runs and wickets than Moeen Ali. And it's just, it's the all-time greats. It's Akram, Pollock, Vaz, Vittori, Dev, Callis, Shakib, Imran Khan, Afridi, Botham, Jayasuriya, Cairns, Flintoff, Razak, Bravo, Hooper, end of list. You know, they're all all-time greats. Um, and then the other thing that's all, you know, test cricketers with more player of the match awards than Moeen Ali since his debut, yeah, Virat, Kohli, Kane Williamson, Ben Stokes, Joe Root, Steve Smith. He's a game changer. He's a game changer. He's not, okay, he's not been at his peak uh, for the past few years, but I think it was a, a, a lovely reminder in the last game, you know, of, of, of just what talent he possesses. And for him to come off poorly on the back of that just does not sit right with me, Leo. It does not. Yeah, um, I think I just wanted to make one. We probably have to move on from the cricket. I wanted to make one small point is that I understand why the process in the T20s because if you've got a T20 series in India, then the World Cup is in India. I guess that's why you want to have your your main white ball squad, isn't it? So you know, it, it it makes sense, but it's it's it just it's that management style of like, yeah. could he have missed Sri Lanka? Could he have missed Sri Lanka? Yeah, um, all, I'd, um, yeah all, all I would say is it's been poor management, but also I don't envy them because it's incredibly tough to try and manage this um, situation. They've they've fucked it with Moeen, I think. Um, I, yeah. I, I don't know how he'll play. I, I can't see him really playing test cricket again, if I'm honest with you. I mean, he's yeah. 33. You, you know, you've got to start thinking about the big paychecks, you know, you've got the IPL and, and, and other franchise leagues around the world. Do you, do you start prioritising that rather than test cricket? I don't know. It'd be really sad if that was the last time we see him in, in whites for England, but yeah. um, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Um, anyway, Luke, I've got a question for you. Hello. Um, do you know who Darren Drysdale is? I'll tell you what, I did not know who the Double D was until last night. Double D, I like that shit, it's good. Yeah, Double D. Um, Darren Drysdale, I think he, I think he's one of my heroes. What? I think he's one of my heroes. What did he do, mate? Tell, tell me, what, what, why is Darren Drysdale's name suddenly um, suddenly in the news? What did he do? Yeah, so basically last night, um, it was a League One match between Ipswich and Northampton, a classic nil-nil. Classic yeah, some called it. Um, and yes, said, what? Ipswich? Yeah, uh, I, yeah I'm not sure who said that, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, a nil nil, you know, beautiful sort of Tuesday night. What more do you want? But now, this is epic. So, the referee, this is the double D, Darren Drysdale, actually like locked heads with Ipswich, uh, with the midfielder Alan Judge. So it was actually the official who moved moved his head towards the player, um, which I just think is absolutely brilliant. And he, he had to get dragged away by yeah, he was um, really he was really squaring up, wasn't he? He was. He was really getting like you know like your classic when footballers get heated. It was like that, but a ref and and it made me think we should have more of that. Yeah, we should have yeah, more of that. Well, I mean, players would be less likely to. Um... Just a, they'd be a lot quieter, I think. I mean, Darren Drysdale looks a bit of a unit as well. He's he? a big lad, but I mean, yeah, if Mike Dean just like RKO'd someone for, for for sort of giving them a bit of chat, it'd be fantastic. Who are you? Quick, um, quick side note, tangent. Um, referees, Premier League referees, Royal Rumble. Oh, yeah, it's a good question. Who, who wins? You know, this is highbrow. This is the intellect. Yeah, yeah. Well, this no, is where we're, we're here. Yeah, well, obviously. We knew we'd come to this topic eventually. I'll tell you, I'll tell you who's, um, who's actually looks like he's in quite good nick is Andre Mariner. Yeah. Uh, Andre Mariner looks like quite a big... 
big boy, I think. Yeah, I tell you who's first out, Michael Oliver. He doesn't want it. He doesn't want to get involved. Oh, I don't know. He, he could be one of those who sort of hides, you know, he sort of stays out, lets Flashy. the big boys fight because he's no ego. He's no ego as Michael Oliver. So mm. I think he waits for a couple of the big guys to get tired. Mm. And I think he's still there. I think he's still in the mix. I don't think he wins. No. I don't think he's first to go, though. I think Mike Dean's first to go. I think everyone gangs up on Mike Dean. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's first to everyone go. Everyone gangs up on Mike Dean. Yeah, literally. Um, it's um, a good question, though. But I, I think if you have a look at Andre Mariner, you'll see mm. what I'm talking about. Yeah. Okay. So if you're listening to this now, just Google Andre Mariner and think, oh, bit of a beefcake. Bit of, he's well, a bit... got something about him. Um, talking about Mike Dean, just to bring on to start something slightly more serious um, for a minute. Um, which I'd, you're asking, how is it possible to get more serious than what we just talked about? I don't know. <laughs> but Mike Dean is going to be back refereeing in the Premier League this week, which I think is a good thing to see. I think people people gave him um, a piece of their minds after what happened um, a week ago or so. But uh, yeah, some of the some of the, the stuff he received, death threats, etc., was disgusting. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think it's good to see him back refereeing. Um, yeah, of course definitely. it is. Yeah, of course it is. I, I've, n- I've never understood how people can get so angry to the point where they will, you know, abuse someone um, for basically just disagreeing ever so slightly with how they're doing their job. It's just absolutely bizarre. Like, there's one thing to sort of be angry by yourself, and another thing to actually go and and and, and shower abuse at the person. It's just it seems alien to me. It doesn't seem like a something that I could ever really imagine any of the people I know doing. Um and it it's just yeah, as I say, it's just alien, alien behavior. So it is good to to have him back. Um you know, whatever you think of him, he's a character. Uh so, yeah, character, mate. Character. That's what they say about people, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so yeah, it'd be good to have him back. But I hope that uh, that that doesn't happen again because it, it's just uh, just can't can't have a place for that in the game, can we? No, definitely not, definitely not. So uh, yeah, he's back refereeing, and hopefully, hopefully something like that never happens again. Um, I wanted to talk. We're we're halfway through, kind of, uh, the Six Nations. Um, two rounds in. What have you made of it so far? General impressions. I mean, the the kind of surprise one is that Wales have won two games, isn't it? Two out of two. When it when to, before the tournament, I'd probably expect them to win one game in the whole tournament. Yeah, Wayne Pivak. Wayne Pivak has uh, has done a pretty good job. To be honest with you, I know. In uh, I think it was in the first episode, we were criticising him uh, just for the slow start that he's had as a world head coach. Obviously, following on from Gatland, it was always going to be difficult. But um, yeah, I was really surprised they beat Scotland the other day. I genuinely just didn't see it happening. They got a bit lucky, though. I mean, well, they both... did in the first game. Yeah. Well, both both wins have come against fourteen men. Um, you know, I, I think. Do they beat Scotland with 15 men? I don't think so. Um, I mean, it's still, you've still got to beat the side. You know, it's not like... It's hypotheticals. Of course it is. I think the Ireland game, especially, yes, that's luck. I mean, you're down to 14 men early. Um, You you know, you're just not going to be able to hold on, let's face it. It just doesn't happen if it's over an elongated period of time. Um, But luck or no luck, they'll just take it. And I think it's going to be great for confidence. As you said, they haven't played Italy um, unless it's a miracle. They will beat Italy. So that's three wins. Uh, and then you've got two, two of the, the harder games, let's say, um, uh, well, you know, if you can get one win, three yeah. to four wins in, in this six nations is, is, is very impressive uh, for what is a young team. Um, maybe, maybe it's a bit, bit of luck they need as well. You know, it's like, 
sometimes you need that. Sometimes you need things to just go your way. The confidence returns. You know, you realise. You know, we're 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 a decent side, and they, you know, and uh, maybe Wayne Pivot will go on to become the best coach of all time. Um, I, I like. Um, I just want to say I like uh, Louis Rizamet, twenty-year-old um, on the wing. You know, it's, it's that's a big decision to to start mm. playing that twenty-year-olds. But oh cool my. Name as well. Great name, and he is one speedy guy. Rapping, I mean, I was so um, I, I like I just I don't understand it's over that five yards that it's yeah. just it's electric, and that's the thing in rugby as a winger, it's that it's that initial, you know, five yards. Can you that's beat your opposite burst. number? Exactly, the burst of pace, and yeah, he looks like one hell of a player. I mean, like, I hope he can stay injury free. This is the problem. I have, um, I have a question for you. Please um, ask. So Louis Louis Resamet versus me. How many times? How many times do you think he could sprint the full length of a rugby pitch before I did it once? Um. Oh, you're very slow. You're hmm? very very slow, no. and you'll probably need a break at halfway as well. Oh, not true. No, well, you need a break, wouldn't you? Right. Sure. Um. I'm not going to do it in one, mate. <laughs> I reckon I reckon three times. I reckon he can sprint the length of the pitch three times. You are so slow. You've not seen me run. Uh, oh, I have. Well, I've seen you try to run. Yeah, there's five or slightly. You haven't seen me. That's, I'm just making intelligent little movements. You know? yeah, he, I, I, reckon, I reckon three times. If he's going flat out mm. and you are, yeah, I reckon three times. Well, maybe we'll have to get him on. To, we'll get him hey, on. if you're listening, Louis, let's, let's yeah, do yeah. this. When lockdown is over, yeah. let's get this done. Yeah. Um, yeah, but interestingly, it's been a very open Six Nations. I mean, France weren't overly impressive against Ireland. I didn't think Ireland were great either. They kind of eked out a win, but maybe I suppose that's what you need to do. Yeah. Away to Ireland's a tough tough place but to go. You can't, you can't expect to go to Ireland and play sort of open, expansive rugby like you normally would. Um, I don't think they've won... Uh, at Ireland since 2010 or 11, 11 it was, yeah. Sorry, they, they want to win their first title since 2010. Yeah. Uh, they haven't won there since 2011. It's about winning at the end of the day. You're not going to remember that at the end of the championship. You're not going to be oh, well, they didn't play like this if they win. Um, I was actually really impressed. I thought they, I think especially those last 12 minutes um, where it was, it was very, very, tightly contested mm, um and i thought they just they just stuck together really well and this you know the french we always speak about the french they play beautiful rugby they have all these mavericks but they they can't really do it when it matters you know they can't just put in uh, that gritty sort of five ten minute bit of rugby and this team can so i think that you know personally i think that's a huge sign of where they are i was really really impressed with the last minute actually um so ireland had the ball they were probably on halfway. Um, and I think it just said it was a testament to, to Sean Edwards and, and how much more solid he's made them defensively um, that they just, Ireland literally just couldn't break that line. They were just going backwards. Just, yeah. just, you know, they didn't break any tackles and France was so disciplined, no penalties. No penalties. Just, that's yeah, a big thing, yeah. And, and just, they just knew, yeah, we, we do our jobs now. We win the game. Um, so that was, very impressive. And I think it helps when, um, you know, your nine is the best nine in the world, um, DuPont, and he's just marshalling. I think, you know, you always see these... Greg Laidlaw's out of retirement. <laughs> is that... Mike Phillips? <laughs> I don't 
had to know his back. Okay. Oh, dude. I, hey, I've got a lot of love for Greg Laidlaw. Uh, who doesn't? I've got a bit, a lot of love for uh, the agile Laidlaw. Laidlaw. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think, you know, your nine sort of dictates that play, you know, for the last, as I said, in the last 10 minutes where it's really physical, it's difficult. I thought he was excellent. And I think France looked really great. And it's good to have a, a strong France team. It is uh, good. It's good until it's good at the start and then it will get annoying. If yeah, they, it's good until they win. Yeah. Um, I'm got very brief touch on England, Italy. Oh, just, that's a bit boring to talk about. England were fine, weren't they? I mean, I think that is an apt description. Yeah. Um, yeah okay. Watson gets a couple of tries, yeah, which is good. good actually. Well, he needs the confidence, doesn't he, more than anything? Um, he needed those uh, tries under his belt. Um, but. Look, it's hard. It's hard against Italy just because obviously the quality isn't there. Mm-hmm. So you're never really going to test yourself that much. But points on the board, I said this before, uh, before the game in the, in the last episode, this is about just getting that confidence back, getting points on the board, feeling good uh, before you have some tougher games coming up. So, um, you know, you can't really complain too much. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, we're nearly finished. But obviously, obviously, there's something before we finish. Our main segment, everyone's excited for it. Uh, it's around the world in 80 place. Uh, Luke, you have lost both times. Um, how are you feeling about uh, third time lucky? Or I'm actually feeling quite nervous. Um, okay. There's been a lot of chat of, wouldn't it be really funny if Luke never got one point? Would be um, quite funny, yeah. Well, I mean... It would be funny for everyone, but I think it would be really tough to take as a uh, as a sort of supposed as a man, as just a person. Yeah, just as a human on a human level, mm-hmm. that would be really difficult. So hopefully, hopefully, I can correct that today. Hey, I believe in you. I believe in you. Um, so just to reiterate, I asked Luke questions from every continent. He just there's only one answer, one question. He has to just keep on answering until he gets it right. He's got forty five seconds. Um. Yeah, and then that's it, basically. It's, and it's a simple game. It's a simple game. And I keep losing. But you keep losing quite, quite drastically. Let me get these questions up. Okay. Okay. Luke, are you ready? Ready. Ready. Okay. Your time starts now. Name a Los Angeles baseball team. The Clippers. No, the Dodgers. Yeah. Uh, what's the second most played sport in Brazil? Oh, um, futsal. No. Um, volleyball. Yes. Three African teams have made the World Cup quarterfinals. Name one. Ghana. Yeah. Um, who is... Name one of Australia's most capped rugby players. Campese. David Campese. Uh, no. Oh, no. Michael Hooper. Yeah. Uh, name a Bangladeshi cricketer with more than 100 test wickets. Uh, Taizal Islam. Uh, name a GB Olympic gold medalist. Max Whitelock. Whitlock. Luke. He's done it. Time is up. He's done it. A second to spare. You've done it. The crowd go, yeah. Oh, that well, feels good. Oh. You, uh, yeah, how does it feel, mate? This, this, well, the stage is yours. This is your after, time. After I said the Clippers for the first answer, yeah. um, <laughs> I was worried because I was like, that's not good because you, you do know they're a basketball side. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
but it's good. It takes the pressure off a little bit because if it was going to kind of become a, a running theme that yeah. I just couldn't get anything right. Monkey off the bat. Yeah, I think that's a that's a good phrase. We'll say the monkey off the bat. Goodbye, goodbye, uh, goodbye, monkey. Um, also, just a <laughs> just a quick one. David Cambosi is correct, um, but what I've done is I looked at the top ten. But the question was a player with over 100 caps and he wasn't in the top 10. So I just didn't. So, so just to clarify, um, my first answer was right and you just said hmm? no. So I was. Uh, that, uh, yeah, it's correct. That's correct. That's so we're just playing, we're just living in, in, in your world where you decide. We've, all, we've always been living. That's always been the case, mate. Okay. Um, well, that was yeah. good. I enjoyed that as that's always. All, that's all we've got time for. Luke, thanks for being here. Um, thanks for listening to Limerick Spinners um, and we'll be back next Tuesday thanks for joining us